Hey, Marshall. Uh, what do you want, Andrew? Let me ask you a question. So if a cow does not produce milk, is that a milk dud or an utter failure? <laughs> Roll that intro music. This is my welcome. This is my invitation to invent the hidden rooms inside my heart. What is up, Project Unify? Okay, yeah. Unifam, sorry. I like that one. Yeah, I come in clutch on that one. I asked Ashley that the other day, and she just kind of looked at me, but we all know Ashley don't have a sense of humor. Ashley doesn't know how to laugh. Yeah, exactly, which, you know, blows my mind because she married me. I know. You're her yin to her yang. I mean, it helps. I guess. I mean, if that's the way you want to look at it. I mean, let's just... Call it like it is. I was pretty and she liked me. <laughs> yeah, that's about what that's what that's what we'll go with. Anyways, guys, we are back with you tonight. Um, so we had a little setback. Our guest co-host Will cannot be with us tonight. Uh, we're praying for him and his family. As most of you guys know, we have had some snow, quite a bit, and being in Texas. We do not know how to handle snow. We don't like it either. Exactly. So they started shutting off everybody's power. They started shutting off everybody's water. You know, people's water lines were freezing, pipes bursting. I mean, apocalypse is happening. Uh, people emptied out the grocery stores. Oh, dude, I went to the grocery store, man. Oh, there was no no milk, eggs, bread. I mean... <laughs> the essentials. The essentials. Everybody was like hoarding it like it was when this whole uh, COVID p- pandemic started. Listen, Ashley has changed my life, not even realizing. So <laughs> she went to the store to get, you know, some, some groceries. And, of course, bread was like, I mean, just taken over. You know, well, all that was left were, was like the fresh bakery, like yeah. baguette loaf. I ain't done. And it was cut in slices. Bro, it works. that is my bread of choice from now on. She got that and some like pepper turkey. Mm-hmm. Bro, the best sandwich is I've it, ever is had. Is it really? Yes, dude. So, like, now, like, <laughs> bye bye Sunbeam. Bye bye Wonder Bread. Oh, yeah, definitely. <laughs> it's all fresh baguettes. I mean, you might be now. paying $3.99 a loaf or $2.99 a loaf, but that's some good stuff because when I went to Kroger, they were out of the regular brand name bread. Yeah. You know, air quotes. And a lady was walking down the aisle and I was on the phone with somebody. And I was just like telling them how ridiculous this was. And she's like, if you go over to the bakery, they have these. I mean, they have loaves of bread. Yeah. I was like, that's cool. I'm going to go over there. And I got three of those things. Yeah. So, like I was saying, you know, Will cannot be with us tonight. Uh, but we are going to uh, keep trucking along. I mean. Let's like do I, it. Like I told Ashley, uh, just because the weather shuts everything down, the podcast must go on. Always. Yeah. Always. So, I risked mine and my children's life to come all the way to Cleveland. Actually, I say that. Uh, I've been in in the house since friday yeah and i'm going stir crazy oh you and me both man and the fact that i had maddie with me the past two days so that was um needless to say fun yeah yeah because we were stuck in the house for three days straight yeah so i i got out today regardless oh yeah i was too yeah so but anyways so we are going to continue in this series of what's next within the sub series of the process uh, last week, we went over a topic. Uh, we, we tried getting both of them in one, and it just didn't happen. Yeah. We were talking about effectiveness in the church. Uh, first, how can we be effective in the church? We went over things like praying for your church, you know, the staff, the people, growth. 
We looked at getting involved in your church. You know, f- find the need in your church. Mm-hmm. You know, I. Nobody can say that a church has no need. Oh, I think churches churches have needs of some sort somewhere within the church. Exactly. Uh, it may not be money. It may not be anything like that. But I can tell you from being a staff member, we're always in need of Sunday school teachers, of just helpers for the children's mm-hmm. and the youth ministry. I am always in need of youth workers. You know, I have some of the best youth workers out there. They are fully committed to helping. But to say I couldn't use more, I mean... Yeah, and then you have to realize, even though you have those youth workers that are there for you all the time, something can happen where they're not going to be there. So to have backups or backups of backups, whatever you want to call it, is always helpful for a church. Yeah, so we, we talked about getting involved. Find the need in your church. Try it out. You know, you never know what kind of ministry you are set up for until you try them. Uh, I found out pretty early. I I can't do children's ministry. I just I Ashley Ashley's not asking you again. Exactly. And my wife, she does toddler church. She loves toddler church. That is, and and I hate to say it, it's probably her favorite ministry to do is toddler mm-hmm. church. Yeah. She loves kids that age. Me, I can't stand them. Don't I, feel bad, brother. I can't either. Sweet. I love giving them high fives when I see them, but I cannot. I can't teach on that level. Yeah. You know, just like I was saying, you can't roast those kids and wait for their comeback because they look at you because they don't understand words half the time anyway. Yeah. So find your need. Uh, And then the last thing we talked about was don't go to church, be the church. Exactly. The worst thing you can do is just go and be a fly on the wall and Mm -hmm. listen to the problems. Like be a part of the solution. Be a part of the church. God has given you part ownership in this church. We are all different parts of the body. It says in the Bible that Christ is the head, but we are all parts of the body. Take ownership in that. Yeah. Be the church. And that goes along with being involved. So we we tried to get how to be involved or how to be effective in the church and how to let the church be effective in your life. Both last week, it didn't work out. We, yeah, we no. didn't have enough time. We didn't want to do a two-hour episode, so we decided to split them. So tonight, we're going to look at how to let the church be effective in your life. If you go to church and you are a church member or if you're looking to go to church, here's the thing. You need to let the church be just as involved in you as you are in it. Exactly. And it it doesn't work if you don't allow the church to do what it does. So we have a couple of things that we're going to look at as far as how to let the church be effective in your life. Uh, first things first, let them be involved with you. Yeah, you definitely. Know, the worst thing you can do is go to church and shut down and act like everything's just fine all the time. You know, when people come and ask you, hey, man, how's it going? Or, you know, haven't seen you in a while. How you been? I understand it's it's very natural just to give them the old, oh, I'm doing great, you know? Mm-hmm. But don't don't feel like you're a burden if you tell them, listen, man, I need prayer. Yeah. You know, <laughs> like if things are going wrong, like me, whew, with, with the things, and, and I'm not going to go into detail about it, but the things that have been going on in my life the last couple of weeks, I've been in some serious need of prayer. Yeah. You know, uh, of course, you know, Marshall. Oh, yeah, for sure. Y- you know, I'm not going to lie. My faith was tested hard. 
I didn't question my belief in God because I know that God is real. I love God. But me and God had to have a conversation and I had to really check my heart. Yeah. Uh, because in a moment of weakness, I was like, why would God do this to, to good people? Yeah. And, uh, of course, you know, after I got over my initial anger at the world, I sat down and me and God really just talked. God put it on my heart. He was like, listen, you know, and, and Psalms 46, one come up instantly. You know, I am your refuge. I am a, a place of safety. You know, God told me, listen, it's okay to be upset. Yeah. But you have to understand that there are things that are going on that you don't understand. Mm hmm. And, and God reassured me. He was like, I am your refuge. Just keep your faith in me, and, and we're going to work it out. And, of course, uh, things are looking up. We're, we're not through the woods yet. Okay. But but we definitely can see the clearing. All right. Um, given everything goes out well. But, uh, you know, guys, listen. If you're listening, to, you know, say a prayer for me and my family right now. But you need to, to let the church get involved with you. Don't hide your problems. You have to understand, listen, yes, there are judgmental people. But there are also people in the church that genuinely care about you. Yeah. So if you tell them your problems, they're they're going to want to pray with you. They're going to want to lift you up. They're going to want to help. You know, mm-hmm. don't hide them. We under listen. Being a church member, not even a church staff, but just a church member, you have to understand. We understand you have problems. We have them too. Yeah. You know, everybody's problems are different. But I can assure you, there are times where you may go through something that I've already gone through. And I may be able to help you out with that. Or vice versa. I mean, even though you technically are a staff member of a church, you know, there might be some things that you're just now going through that a church member has already gone through and they can help you as well. I think that's also another thing. And to reference a past thing with me, I I had two people at the church that I used to go to, two people that I could legitimately sit down and talk with about anything, any problems, any troubles that I was having. And those two people made me feel like I was worthy of the help that I needed to get through those through those things and also worthy of God's love. Because at that time, I felt like God didn't care. You see what I'm saying? Yeah, I mean, it's easy to feel that way, believe me. And you know, it's just one of those things where it was like, okay, but everybody else, you know, I would just be one of those people that, like you said, you know, be the fly on the wall or just the butt in the pew. I just come in, listen to the sermon, say the prayer, go home and eat lunch and do whatever and just forget about it. Yeah. I think that is the easiest thing to fall into is just going through the motion of it mm-hmm. instead of really getting involved and in realizing that, that the church was meant to grow the family. Correct. It was not, it's not just a place to worship God. It is a place to worship God. Don't get me wrong, but it's not just a place to worship God. This is where family meets together. You know, the Bible says we're two or more gathered in my name. So shall I be there. You know, if you're gathered together with people, God's here with us. Yeah. And you don't just have to have a building that has a sign out front that says church in order for it to be a church. Like you just said, as long as there's two or more people together within the spirit of God, you know, the backyard could be a church. Yeah. Your, the parking lot could be a church. I mean, you can go stand out in the middle of the street, and that that's a church. Yeah. It's the people that create the church, not the building. Absolutely. At, you know, the, the early church that Paul set up, a lot of those were home churches. Exactly. You know, they would all gather in somebody's house, and then when the church got too big to where people couldn't fit in that house, mm-hmm. they would move over to another one. That's how the church started, because then you had one 
that went to two, two that went to four, four to you know, and yeah, it continued and so to on grow. And so on. So yeah, I definitely remember that the church is not the building; it is the people, and you need to allow them to get involved with you. You need to allow them to pray with you. You need to understand that that you are not strangers anymore once you get into a church. And that brings me to our first scripture, which is Ephesians two. Verses 19 and 20, it says, Now therefore you are no longer strangers and foreigners, but are fellow citizens with the saints and members of the household of God. Having been built upon the foundations of the apostles and prophets, Jesus Christ himself being the chief cornerstone, in whom the entire building tightly framed together grows up in a holy into a holy temple in the Lord, in whom you also are being built together into a dwelling place of God through the spirit. Now you have to understand in this, in these set of verses, Paul was not talking about the building itself where he talks about Jesus Christ himself being the chief cornerstone in whom the entire building tightly framed together. That's not talking about a physical building. That's talking about the family, the body of Christ. You know, Jesus Christ is the cornerstone of the church. He started the church. Mm-hmm. He, he built the church. He had vision for the church. He still has vision for the church. But it's not the building, it's it's the people in it. And you have to stop being strangers. Like God, you know, like the, the Bible says, we are no longer strangers and foreigners, but we are all citizens in this in this community mm-hmm. of church. So you, you've got to allow them to get involved with you. Uh, the next thing is you need to start relationships. You know, once you get to know people, don't don't close off and, and try not to get close to people. Find your people and grab onto them and really build relationships. You know, uh, when when I first stepped foot in Calvary, I had no intentions of starting relationships. Yeah, I had no intentions of building anything. Uh, but, you know, after Charles Payne introduced himself to me, I immediately grasped towards him and then Earl Sides. I mean, once once I had a, a niche for the youth you know earl i just i clinged on to him because he's just continuously put uh responsibility on me and put faith on me and built me and you know that was a relationship he he truly cared yeah you know and i also think it's helpful when you feel that way about somebody that within a church especially within a church that if they come up there's a lot of people in a church that are like you you know like most people they come they just hear it they leave and that's that. But when you find that one, maybe two people that truly understand a, the word of God, b the word of God and how it's supposed to be spread and shepherded to the people of the church. And you understand that, c you feel like these people are truly trying to make a connection with you. That makes all the difference in the world, because when you get to a church and you just have people, like you said, come up to you, hey, how are you today? And, you know, you don't feel like you can actually explain to them. When you make those connections, that's what makes the church. Yeah, absolutely. You know, people have trust issues. Is mm-hmm. You know, we act like <laughs> when when people talk about it, they act like it's so rare that they have trust issues. Everybody. Everybody, everybody has trust issues. I, I don't care who you are. There's no way you can live in the 21st century and just fully trust people. Oh, no, definitely not now, for sure. If we did not have trust issues, we would have no problem just putting our credit card information online. Exactly. You, you know, like, we all have trust issues one way or another. It just mm-hmm. depends on how how far those issues go. Yeah. 
Now, you have to understand, if you don't have trust issues, or if you do have trust issues, I understand it's it's hard to get close to people. I'm not asking you to just go out there and start shaking hands and be like, want to be friends? Why well, I do that. <laughs> well, and... It yeah. kind of works. I got you. Well, yeah. <laughs> but we were also five when that happened. Still counts. I mean, at five years old, you can be like, you want to be my friend? The other kids can be like, sure. Yeah, it still counts. We're still friends. Yeah, but as people going into the church, it's start with getting getting into a Sunday school. Yeah. You know, find you a small group like that. That's what Sunday schools are meant for, mm-hmm. is is to break the the church down to a smaller group. You know, that's why a lot of a lot of Sunday schools are age oriented mm-hmm. or gender oriented, uh, not to put division in the church, but to help you grow closer to people who are around your age, your lifestyle, stuff like yeah. that. And uh, as far as Sunday school goes, it, it helps. I think it helps make it more personal. Yes. When you are smaller, you feel feel like an individual, not just as, quote unquote, a herd of sheep. Yes, because I, I'm not going to lie to you. Uh, you know, in like a church our size, the average is 200 plus uh, uh, a week. It's hard for like the pastor to be able to get to all 200 people and and, and build strong, firm relationships with those people. Exactly. Uh, not saying he doesn't try. And Brother Monk, even being a, a, a confirmed introvert, you know, he still goes out of his way to talk to people, to help people. Well, to, it's like the first time I met him. Yeah. He went out of his way to know... To make me, A, feel comfortable, yes. and B, make sure that I knew who he was, what he did, and how he felt about things. And now, I mean, I've talked to him numerous times, you know, when I come up here to do this. But, yeah, I mean, he's a he's a very nice man, and he is true to the Word of God as best as he can be. Yes, but it's very hard for him to talk and build like strong foundational mm-hmm. relationships with 200 plus people. Of course. But, well, that would be hard for anybody. I don't. It's Even a, me as an extrovert, like all out person. Yeah. I can't I can't go build meaningful, true relationships with two hundred plus people. Exactly. But that's what Sunday school teachers are for. Exactly. You may you may now Brother Monk will remember your name. He is very good about remembering people. Mm-hmm. But it's hard for him to get out there and and be able to have a relationship with two hundred people. But that's why Sunday school teachers are put in place. Mm-hmm. Because when you have an issue, you feel more comfortable going to your Sunday school teacher because you know them more on a personal level. Exactly. And and there's nothing wrong with that. No, of course not. You know, that's why we are set in place. That's why, you know, like with the youth, mm-hmm. uh, you know, our youth group before COVID and, and all this stuff happened, you know, we had probably 60, 70 teens in the youth group. That's a very good, that's a good, very good size youth group. Yes. Too. And and it was very hard, you know. Uh, better better example when I was in when I was in Rio, right? My youth group was between eighty and eighty five people, uh, you know, and that was a regular week. Yeah, it was very hard for me to get to know everybody. Oh yeah, and you know my youth workers they knew most of the kids because when I got there they had already been there for like four or five years. Mm-hmm. But once they all left, I was very picky on who I brought in. Which, you know, a lot of people were like, well, you don't have that many youth workers. Well, there's not many that I can trust to build a relationship. Exactly. And, you know, I had one, uh, his name is Lyndon. We mm-hmm. called him the Aussie. Yeah. You know, 
was, was he the most knowledgeable in the Bible? No, I wasn't looking for that. What got him is I saw a lot of myself in him because when I first started helping with the youth, I was not that knowledgeable in the Bible. But I cared about relationship. He got in there. He was playing pool with the kids. He was out there on the basketball court with mm-hmm. them, really getting to know them. So when they had problems and they felt like they couldn't come to me at that time, they had him. Yeah. The whole process of it is you don't have to be as knowledgeable as a youth pastor, as a church pastor, as a pa- assistant pastor in order to help move the church, yes. in order to... Um, help children or other adults, for that matter, become closer in their relationship with God. It's just, it is what it is. And if you can go out and make a true, meaningful relationship and make it personable, it that is not necessarily in enough in itself, but it also gets the person to understand that you're not just words, you're actions. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, so Romans 12, 10, it says, be devoted to one another with brotherly love Prefer one another in honor. Do not be lazy in diligence. Be fervent in spirit. Serve the Lord. It says right there, be devoted to one another with brotherly love. Exactly. We have got to be devoted to one another. And and that starts with building relationships. Mm-hmm. You know, it's just like any other relationship. Mine and yours. You know, yeah. we've been best friends 28 years. God, that's a long time. Exactly. And that's because we have devoted ourselves to one another as friends, as brothers, and mm-hmm. and nothing fault that. No, and, and everybody understands that. Anybody that knows us knows that's the way it is. And yes. That nothing they, comes between they us. They have to deal with it. Yes, even Ashley. I was Ashley, say. <laughs> Ashley had yeah. to accept very early on in our relationship that you are very important in my life, mm-hmm. and even if she didn't like you, she could not tear you away from me. No, I wasn't going to let her anyway, but that's beside well, the point. Yeah, but, you know, and it helps that she she loves you and yeah. she loved you early and, on. And I love her to death. Yes. Like, she is, and she it's is made, awesome. It's made mine and your friendship real easy to have Mm -hmm. and it's made mine and her relationship better because you're the type of friend that she feels that she could call and ask something and she can you know she has yeah but it and you know a lot of times it doesn't happen like that. that's true you know she'll can you call marshall blah 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 she won't do that yeah she'll call you like marshall i need you over here to put this together tomorrow (laughs) exactly i'll cook lunch i'm there yeah so you've got to You've got to devote yourselves one to another. Mm-hmm. You know, that doesn't happen just in the church walls. You've got to take that outside these walls and call them throughout the week. Be like, hey, man, how you doing? I just want to check on you. Do you need anything? Uh, you know, ask them to lunch. Hey, do you want to go grab lunch Saturday? Uh, you know, us pastoral staff, we gain a lot of friends in the ministry. And what helps us continue to build that is we'll call each other and be like, hey, man, you want to go grab lunch this week? Yeah. And we'll just we'll share with each other. You know, we'll deal with our problems together and and it makes it a lot easier to not be alone in the situation most definitely so definitely uh starting relationships uh will definitely help your church be more effective in your life because that gives you more of a network Mm -hmm. you know especially for people that don't have family my family used to be huge yeah in a sense it still kind of is because i was 32 years old coming back to calvary and found out one of my teens is actually one of my cousins. Had no idea. Yeah. Yeah. And that's helped our relationship grow. Oh, because yeah. she was, she's a very, uh, I don't want to say close off person, but it, it takes a while to get through to start building that trust with her. Yeah. Well, that was, that was my end being, you know, us finding out, hey, we're actually related. 
you know, now when we see each other, uh, you know, instead of calling her by her name, and I'm not going to say it yeah. on here, but instead of calling her name, I call her little cousin now. Mm-hmm. I'm like, what are you doing, little cousin? Right? And uh, she'll say something, and then when she leaves, I'm like, you're still my favorite cousin. <laughs> and of course, she don't say nothing because she's too cool to, to yeah. admit that I'm her favorite cousin. Oh, yeah. yeah. But I'm like, just join the masses. I'm everybody's favorite cousin. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> I'm all my nieces and nephews' favorite uncle. Yeah. I'm just everybody's favorite. That's it's just part of what it is. That's the whole point of this episode. Anyways, guys, we love you and we're out. <laughs> Bye. No, I'm just playing. <laughs> Anyways, so, all right. So, we've looked at let them be involved with you, start relationships, and this is, I think this is the most important. And I, I really think once you get your mind wrapped around this, it really helps in your daily life. Remember, the church is not perfect. Yeah, for sure. <laughs> Okay, listen, remember, people have shortcomings. They're going to mess up. They're going to hurt your feelings. They are going to... Uh, Probably upset you, make you mad, yes. make you angry in some way. It's it, Honestly, the simplest way to put it is, it's part of life. Yeah, absolutely. It doesn't matter who it is, the pastor is going to upset you. What standing? Who and the standings? I mean, obviously within the church, the standings are there for a reason to have a, a tiered level of um, church, basically to make sure everything works and flow with each other. But as far as just them being a person, yeah, that's gonna happen. Yeah, you know, I was told early on in my ministry, uh, <laughs> someone told me they said, if everybody likes you. You better be looking for another job because you're not doing you're doing something wrong. Exactly. And, <laughs> and and I've experienced that. You know, yeah. I've had I've had tons of people not understand why I do something or uh, not agree with how I run. You know, but that's when I come to and I'm like, listen. You know, if if they come to me personally or if I if I find out who they are by name, I'll go to them and be like, listen. I know you don't understand this. Come talk to me. Let me tell you my point of view. If then you don't agree, tell me, give me some feedback. Let me know what's going wrong. I take con- constructive criticism just as good as the next person. Yeah. You know, like I'm fully prepared to accept the fact that I do not know everything. Yeah, exactly. And see, I think that's a lot of the problem that most people have is they can't take constructive criticism. It has nothing to do with the fact that. I don't like you specifically as an actual person. Do I agree with 100% of everything you do? Even within our friendship, we've had disagreements. We've had arguments. But we found a way to come to each other and explain that to the other person and either A, give the feedback or figure out a way to um, understand why that person did what they did. And if you can do that in the church, that's gonna. I think that'll make your church A, that's going to make your church stronger as the people within the church. That's going to make everybody closer. B, I also think if you don't hold the pastoral staff to a higher standard, yes, they are pastoral staff, but you also have to realize, again, like you've said many a times, Andrew, y'all are still human. Y'all are still people. Yeah. And I think that's what a lot of people forget. When they go to church, they forget that the people that are preaching, the pastoral staff, they forget their people. They literally think that they're a higher being of some sort and that I feel like they figure, well, that's not right. Why is he doing this or why is she doing that? 
Yeah. I mean, they have to understand, we're, we, as pastoral staff, we are just like you, everybody else. <laughs> we're yeah. not, you know, if, if a pastor tries, and, and I know a guy, uh, <laughs> <ooh>. <laughs> I know a guy that, that tries to, as a pastor, tries to set himself higher than his congregation. Uh, you know, when I was coming into youth ministry and I'd answered the call and I knew that I wanted to be full-time youth ministry, yeah. uh, I went everywhere. I messaged every person I knew that was at a church. I was like, hey, listen, if you need somebody to speak at a youth event or anything like that, like, let me know. Because I was just trying to get my name out there. Yeah, uh, for because, sure. And, because, that, and that's what you have to do. Yeah. And so I went to him because he was a former member who who now has his own church. And I, and I had messaged him. You know, I was just like, hey, you know, I'm, I'm trying to get into youth ministry. If you ever need somebody to come speak to the youth at your church. Mm-hmm. or anything like that, uh, please keep me in mind. And he responded back with, uh, you don't address a pastor with hey. See, that, yeah, see, that's what, that's what will turn me off, I mean, quicker than anything. When, when you have a pastor that basically thinks he is above you, that in itself can destroy a church faster than if Satan was to walk through the doors himself. Yeah. You know, that's just that right there is a breeding ground for distrust and disdain throughout the church because you have a certain group of people that are going to agree with everything he does. Then you are also going to have the people who are whispering behind the curtain. And then you've got the other people that are just kind of in the middle going, what's going on? What are we doing? Why are we not worshiping God? Why are we not being the church that we're meant to be? You know, and. I think that for me personally, that was an issue that I had with one of my old churches I went to. The pastor and the pastoral staff basically treated the church like a number. The people in the church were numbers, and it was how many people can we get in here to show that we have the numbers, we have the people to keep our doors open. But when you as a church in general can truly humble yourself to God especially the pastor doing it. And when he does it in front of the church, I think that helps strengthen the church and is also more effective in your life seeing that happen. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, (laughs) That was my little rant for the week. Yeah, no, you're good. (laughs) Thank you for getting on your pedestal so I didn't have to get on mine. (laughs) Yeah, I had to get on mine at least once. But yeah, like you said, that will kill a church more than anything is if as a pastor you are not approachable. People don't feel like they can relate with you or they feel like that they have to be subordinate to you. Mm-hmm. You and you know, that's where a lot of churches get it wrong. Uh, yep. You know, I'm not going to throw any actual belief systems out, but putting the pastor ahead of the people like he is not ahead of the people. We we are put in place to help shepherd the church, mm-hmm. but we are not here to dictate the church. Yeah, you're uh, shepherds. Shepherds don't take their sheep out into the field and then tell them you can only eat in this, say, square acre of grass. They have acreages upon acreage of land and their sheep roam through that. All the shepherd does is make sure they don't get lost. Yeah, That's what the shepherd is for. And that's as far as a pastor or pastoral staff being the shepherds of the church. They are the ones to help you be closer to God. And when you, as a pastor or the pastor sets himself up on a higher standard um, and a high pedestal, then those people lose faith in you as a pastor or they lose faith in the church overall. 
Yeah. And then you wonder as a church, well, why are we not effective? Why are we losing people? You've got to you've got to still be a church member as a pastor. Do you understand? Yeah. I mean, you know, like you, for example, and I'm just using you as an example because I can. Um, so as far as that goes, as you've become closer to God personally, you've helped me become closer to God. Because you know my history, you know my mm-hmm. past. My biggest thing is a selfishness, like we've talked about a hundred times, and b the fact that I'm still trying to figure out how not to believe that the church is hypocritical, yeah, and how to let them approach me and how to approach them to be more effective in my life. Exactly. So here, here is the the worst thing, you know, because the church does have that stigma with it that. Uh, they are hypocritical. Now, listen, there are people, you have to understand, the church is not perfect. It has different people from different walks. Some people are here, uh, you know, in, in order to get their feeling of God, but they're also here to cause division. Mm-hmm. You know, they're just types of people that, that have drama attached to them. They want to uh, get in their clique and, and divide the church. If there's no drama, they're not happy. Exactly. So here is what Paul wrote to the Romans in chapter 16 telling them how to deal with that. Uh, Romans chapter 16, verse 17 says, Now I urge you, brothers, to closely watch those who cause divisions and offenses contrary to the teaching which you have learned. So he's saying, people who are causing division and and offenses contrary to what the Word of God says. Now, Mm -hmm. the Word of God does not tell us to have division and stuff like that, right? So he tells them, uh, let me, I'll, I'll reiterate that. Now I urge you brothers to closely watch those who cause divisions and offenses contrary to the teaching, which you have learned and avoid them for such people do not serve our Lord Jesus Christ, but their own appetites and through smooth talk and flattery, they deceive the hearts of the unsuspecting. So yes, are we telling you to go in there and just open your heart completely and allow anybody to come into your life. No, you have to watch who you put into your life. There are people who are just bad juju (laughs) for your life or, or, uh, in the church. You know, there are people that we as, as ministry staff that we get on our alerts and we try and stay away from them because it can cause division. It can cause an uproar, you know, uh, being in youth ministry, youth ministers, we have to watch our backs constantly because you may have a teen who just uh, wants to stir up trouble and all it takes. And this is why I'm so critical of how I run my ministry, because literally all it takes is for one kid to say something that's not true and they can run my life through the ringer. Exactly. You know, I've been very fortunate in the 10 years I've been in ministry to not come across that. Yeah. And, and I, and, and a lot of it's because I don't put myself in that situation with, with female teens. I won't ever be alone with them ever. I always have somebody in the room with me. Guy, girl, doesn't matter. I try and have a female when it comes to counseling or, or, uh, leading them to the Lord. I try and have one of my female youth workers jump on that. Oh yeah, of uh, course. Not because I don't want to have a relationship with those teens. It's more understandable. It's more relatable. Yeah. It will. Not only that, it's for my protection. Yes. Because all it takes is one accusation, one accusation in, in order even to just prove it wrong and, and keep my innocence. It's going to run my life through the ringer. My, my ministry is 
dead, gone, shot in the head, it's it's done. Yeah. And in not saying I don't want to help female teens because they're all a part of my youth group. I just I fear for that because I don't I don't even want to give an inkling of that could possibly happen because all it takes letting one one teen girl show favoritism or anything like that because then when the accusation comes out, you know, people in your life are gonna be like, Well, I can't say that it, it's not untrue. They are, you know, he shows favoritism to her or, you know, they they do spend a lot of time talking to each other. Like if if a teen uh texts me I would rather, you know, I, I try and solve everything via text, Facebook Messenger. That way I can have photo proof of it because without a phone, you know, in a phone call, it's all, well, he said this and he said that and, and there's no way to prove it unless yeah, you I record did. those phone calls. Yeah. And I'm I'm not going to do that. I'm not part of the CIA. I'm not, not going to record all my phone calls. But if I can get you via text to where I have it just right there and yeah. I can save it, game. Yeah. And I think this is, so I was looking at something, and we've already gone over this part as far as we were just talking about it, unity in the church, unity and diversity in the church. So this brings me back to 1 Corinthians verse 12, and as far as it being, quote, ineffectiveness of the church in your life, you have to remember, and it says, just as a body, though one has many parts, but all its many parts form bo- one body, so it is with Christ. So I think that you have to realize, again, it goes back to the church is made up of a lot of different people from yes. different backgrounds. Therefore, that's the many parts. But then you have God and Jesus who, as we've said before, are the head. You have to allow that to come down and you have to allow that to be part of your life yeah. because that's the only way church is going to be effective in your life is if you allow it to be effective, A, and B, if you realize that the church is made up of that many people from that many backgrounds and you all understand you are here for one reason, and that is to maybe two reasons, grow closer to God within your own, but also build a church that is truly um, effective within your life and not only of your life, but of your community. Yeah. So that's where I went with that one. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, you know, how how to let the church be effective in your life, let it be in your life. Correct. That's, I mean, the, the three things we've looked at t- tonight uh, all boils down to let the church be in your life. And it goes back to what we talked about last week. Don't go to church, be the church. Exactly. You've got to let the church be as involved in your life as you are involved in the life of the church. Yeah, for it, sure. You you can't go to church and be closed off. No, because that's that's going to do nothing. You will. Then the church has no effectiveness in your life. Exactly. And there, and you know, there are people in the church that do that. And, and you know, that is your prerogative. Uh, I'm not here to tell you how to go to church. I'm just telling, I'm here to tell you how, the, how, uh, the Bible tells us to go to church. Exactly. How the Bible tells us to be the church. And, and I think these are, are things that if you apply them to your life, they will be beneficial, beneficial. It's not hard stuff to do. It's not, you know, just be involved in your church. Mm-hmm. When you show up, go up to a, a Sunday school teacher. You know, I we have this guy in our church, Pete. Uh, he gets here early Wednesday nights and Sunday mornings. Yeah. And he's here 
taking uh, Sunday school binders over to the Sunday schools and dropping them off. He's here asking uh, asking our our one of our assistants, "Hey, is there anything you need help with?" He's in the coffee shop making sure that uh, everything's in order for the coffee. Mm-hmm. Uh, on Wednesday nights, he helps deliver the meal from the live center over to the youth building. He's, I mean, he just does whatever is asked. And, and 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 from what I've heard you talk about before, sometimes it's not even him getting asked. It's him asking what he yes. can do to help. And that's where it stands is if you want the church to be effective in your life, A, you have to be effective within your church and then go from there and ask people what you can do for them to help within your church. Yes. Understand, people. The church staff, even though we are here full time or, you know, even there are bivocationary uh, pastors who have two jobs. But even though we are on staff, we cannot do everything ourselves. We cannot. You know, the reason why everything looks like it runs so smoothly on Sundays is because of all of the moving parts that are there. Mm-hmm. Uh, it, it takes it takes a village and. Please, please, please reach out to your church. If if you're new to a church, uh, dive in head first. Don't test the waters. Just dive in. Yeah, because it's a lot colder when you test the water and yes. gradually go in, and then you get scared. Yes. And you're like, nope. And sometimes you don't even get in the pool. Just cannonball it. Cannonball and in straight church. into it. That's how you know. That's how Jesus did for us when he got on the cross. He didn't say, "All right, y'all, y'all put one nail in and let's see how it feels," and then. We'll go from there. Yeah, no, it's just... No, he took on the sin of the world. Yeah. You know, he did not look back when when the Jews uh, and, and the Roman soldiers, they mocked him and said, if you really are the king of the Jews, then come off the cross and just save us. Save us all. Mm-hmm. You know, and they did it mockingly. You know, he didn't, he, he didn't say, I could do that and think about it. No, he knew he had to take on the sin of the world. He had to take the weight of the sin of the world and, and take that on mm-hmm. and, and deal it. He dove headfirst, cannonballed straight into saving us of our sins. Exactly. Therefore, when you get into a church and you're doing the work of God, dive in. Just headfirst, cannonball, corkscrew. Superman, uh, flying squirrel, whatever I mean, you want to do. Triple backflip, whatever you have to do. But exactly. Get in the pool, people. Get in the pool. Ooh, I'm going to put that on a t-shirt. I like that. <laughs> right? Just hashtag get in the pool. Yep. And then have the Project Unify logo on the back. That'll work. Yeah. Yeah. Shirt ideas, people. That's what we're doing. But, of course, we've, we've got to we've got to get that approved by our marketing manager, yeah. Abigail, when, when her and Christian will be back next week. Yes, they will. Oh, I'm man. So excited. So excited about their honeymoon. We may just take an episode, talk about the wedding and the honeymoon and, and marital bliss and all that. Just talk to them about how their experience has been so far. Yeah, might as well. And then in three months, we'll ask them again <laughs> and see the difference. <laughs> but anyways, guys, listen, just... Keep keep doing what you're doing. You know, if you're if you're a Texas listener, listen, we're praying for you. Uh, you know, this will probably come out after the snow has melted and we've gone back to normal life. But just know that when you hear this, just know that Project Unify has been praying for you. Uh, but just keep on keeping on. Keep listening. Share us with your friends. Uh, you know, go to the, the Facebook, the Instagram. 
uh, the website. We are still trying to get an online store. It, you would not believe the stuff how we got to go through. Irritating it has been just to try and sell you a shirt online. I know. But listen, guys, we do have face masks available. I have a very limited amount left, but we do have an order for. Uh, another shipment of them and then we'll get them made up and we will have them so if you just let us know hey i want a face mask to go with this ball and shirt i got on let me know i got you face mask looks really good by yes, the way they I look, love them a lot. they look just like the t-shirt if you're wearing the t-shirt and the mask you're stunting all you need now is a hat and then we and got they'll, you. they'll be coming pretty soon no timeline on those yet but we'll get we'll get them for sure yeah but anyways guys this has been Another dosage of your weekly prescription Project Unify brought to you by none other than your favorite doctor, Dr. Andrew Lawrence. At this point, it's not even a PSA. Everybody already knows he's not a real doctor. I am a real doctor. No, you're not. I'm the doctor of... Of, of, of exactly. I don't know. Just, just go on. All right, so I'm not a real doctor, but I'm your favorite <laughs> doctor. But anyways, in front of me is the professor. Marshall. And I'm your boy, Andrew. We love you and we're out. Bye.